Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I'm Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Renee Bird of Will Frolic for Food here on the show today. Renee is a writer, photographer, recipe developer, and chocolate maker. She eats a wheat-free, dairy-free, and vegetarian diet, and her blog is a reflection of this. On Will Frolic for Food, you will find recipes for creative, savory vegetarian dishes and occasionally more healthful versions of something indulgent. Thank you so much for being here today, Renee. Hi, yeah, my pleasure, totally. It's so nice to have you here. Now, your blog, Will Frolic for Food, where did the idea behind it come from? Well, I think the main idea for the blog came from just cooking in my daily life. I'm bored very easily, so I make just lots of weird, interesting recipes at home. And my now husband, then fiance, was just really, I would make meals and he would just say, you know, you really need to start a blog about this because like people need to know these recipes. You can't just keep them to yourself. It's really not fair in a way. And, you know, for months, I would just like, no, I mean, that's so much work. I don't want to. I don't know. And then finally, I was just like, this is probably worth my time to share this with people. And it totally has been like the community is a major reason I keep going. So Right. I think people don't realize how much work actually goes into doing a food blog and cooking blog. (laughs) Because it's not just the cooking part. It's the photography. It's the styling. It's the recipes. It's everything. So involved. Yeah, totally. I often have recipes that take me over eight hours to do. All in all, just like recipe development, making the recipe, photographing the recipe, editing the recipe, like post-processing, writing, like all the things that go into it. It's so much. I mean, I love every second of it. But yeah, it's not easy technically. (laughs) Right, for sure. Now, were you always interested in cooking and food? Yeah, I've pretty much always been interested in it. I have a sort of natural affinity towards natural foods and wanting to feel healthy and feel great. And I've always associated food with feeling good and like being happy. And I think part of that, I'm sure that like the majority of that is that my mother is a fantastic cook and taught me how to make a lot of interesting foods and interesting meals out of nothing out of like what's in the fridge I don't know we don't have anything in the fridge I guess we're gonna make a pizza out of stuff that's around and she really had a good understanding of flavors and flavor combinations and how to balance meals from that perspective and I learned all of that from her would you say that she's one of the people that sort of inspired this passion for food yeah and I didn't realize it When I started really getting into food, a lot of people inspired it. A lot of my inspiration has come from friends who are just passionate about food, from my friends who were like basically in this little vegan raw foods like commune situation in college because like I'm just sort of the hippie at heart and all my friends are like that and I love the way that they eat. And so that was very inspiring to me to be with those people because they were just making these incredible curries and like chutneys and raw date brownies. And I was just like, blew my mind. So those people, and of course, my mother who gave me the foundation, thankfully, I'm very thankful for that. And I mean, beyond that, so much of my inspiration comes from incredible bloggers on the internet who've been doing what they do for so long. Now, do you get a chance to cook for your mom and your friends who sort of really inspired you at all? Oh, whenever I can. Yeah, whenever possible. With some of my friends who really love to cook, it's always sort of like whenever we hang out, we're always in the kitchen and making stuff together. Or there's almost this like 
I wouldn't say competition, but like we all want to be in the kitchen making stuff for each other because we have recipes we want to share and, you know, new cookbooks that we're just like dying to like show each other the pictures from and stuff like that. And I do get to cook for my mom often whenever I get home, which is just so fun. We get to sort of share that, which is great. My mom is still always like doing crazy creative stuff with like ancient grains and like coconut milk and stuff like that. It always blows my mind. Wow. Well, Renee, you have some food sensitivities that sort of guide you to developing recipes that are wheat-free, dairy-free, and vegetarian. Was this something that you faced from an early age? I ignored most of it. Well, the dairy thing I ignored. Funnily enough, like, everyone in my family is allergic to dairy. Allergic, not lactose intolerant. And most of them just kind of ignore it. And the wheat thing I developed a sensitivity to in my, like, early 20s in college I started getting really painful stomach aches and was having like really terrible digestive issues. Like it just hurt, you know, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand it. And it turned out to be like a combination of sensitivity to peanuts and wheat. I didn't get officially like diagnosed with those things, but I essentially cut both of them out and then suddenly like, oh, wow, like eating is fun again and it doesn't hurt me anymore. So I just decided that I didn't want to feel sick when I ate and in my life and I wasn't going to compromise about that. And I did for a long time. I mean, I basically was like, oh, I'll eat wheat here and there, I'll eat dairy here and there. But then I was just feeling sick and it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I don't need these things. Like I can live a really full life without feeling like I'm giving stuff up ever without having them around. And that to be said, I do eat goat dairy because it doesn't have the same sugars and proteins in it as cow dairy. So I'm able to digest that fine. So like you see a lot of that on my blog, you see a lot of chev and goat cheese, goat yogurt. I think it's a wonderful like food personally. So I do feature that relatively often. Right. Now, was it hard to sort of learn to cook? I know you surrounded yourself with really awesome people that really inspired you sort of in this area of cooking. But are there some sort of good resources or learning resources for people who have these food sensitivities or who want to try cooking this way? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there there are tons of resources. There are some books that I really, really love that are really on point for teaching you how to make like exact recipes. Inspired Vegan is amazing. I love that book. I think it's Brian Terry, and it's so wonderful. I mean, obviously, all of the Ottolenghi books, anything that's, like, naturally wheat-free in there is incredible. So those are great book resources. But a lot of where I learned to cook, like, the basics, it's really great to learn from somebody who knows how to do them and is willing to cook with you. And, like, getting yourself kind of out there and sort of, like, volunteering to help people cook big meals and for gatherings and things is another great way to learn. If you're like really trying to learn in a professional sort of environment, like you don't have any knife skills, you need knife skills. Volunteering to go in and work for a catering company is like an amazing way to learn knife skills because they're, I mean, they're probably going to be annoyed by you and like hate you at first. But if you're okay with that, and then you like are a pretty quick learner, like you'll do well, you'll learn the knife skills, you'll learn the how to flavor things and marry flavors. And obviously blogs are fantastic resources. I've got like a massive blog girl of people who are constantly teaching me with their process and their way. I think that's a great idea. I mean, volunteering, because culinary school, not everybody has the dedication or the time to go to culinary or the money. So, you know, just volunteering your time and just, you know, figuring things out sort of along the way is a great idea to sort of heighten your skills and heighten your sort of knowledge with cooking and with food. What are some key 
staple ingredients that you use in your cooking that we or people without food sensitivities might not be familiar with? Well, I'm allergic to dairy, correct, right? So the lactose and the casein are things that I'm allergic to, but I eat ghee. Ghee is amazing. A lot of people aren't very familiar with it. And a lot of people with sensitivities aren't very familiar with the fact that there is something that's derived from cow dairy that they can eat. Ghee is a wonderful tridoshic in Ayurved, like clarifying food that is good for the joints, it's good for the skin, it helps support the nervous system. Like you can actually put it on your skin and it's like very calming and moisturizing. It's an incredible food. I love it. I eat it a lot. I make it at home. So that's something that I use often that I feel like I am probably like preaching about kind of a lot. For someone who doesn't know what ghee is, what is ghee? Ghee is clarified butter. So it's basically like to make it at home, I get a really nice organic butter. If I can get it from a farmer that's local, that's fantastic as well that I like trust. And then I boil it over sort of a medium-high heat, and I skim all of the froth that comes to the top, all of the lactose and casein off of the top, and I discard that, and you just keep doing that until all of that, like, frothy stuff is gone. And then you sort of strain it, and you pour it into a heat-safe jar, and you can use it. And generally, like a very clean organic butter, like you're gonna be able to turn it into ghee relatively quickly. And then you have this like wonderful food that's just you can keep out on your counter, you don't even have to refrigerate it, it lasts for years, literally years, and it makes everything taste better. Like I just put it on rice and vegetables sometimes with some great flaky sea salt. And like, my life is heaven. The perfect meal. It's the perfect thing. Yeah, so that's one of the main things. Cool. Well, for someone who is unfamiliar with gluten-free or dairy-free cooking, but is cooking for a friend or somebody who has these sensitivities, do you have any sort of advice and tips to get over the hurdle and not be afraid to cook for them? Trust simple recipes, probably. Starting with that, if you're cooking for somebody who has allergies Trying to start out with doing a complicated baking recipe, especially if you don't have all of the ingredients and aren't willing to follow all of the directions exactly, is going to be very frustrating. I'm just remembering back to when I was first learning how to do like gluten-free cooking a couple of years ago, how just angry I was that like these recipes weren't working for me, but I'm always one to try something that's more complicated because I want to be the best at it right now, but I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, I mean, trusting simple recipes and finding a recipe developer that you really trust and that you really respect. I feel like I sorted through blogs and authors for years before I found people that I felt like I could trust their recipes. I wish I just like had a list of bloggers that I think are awesome that I really trust their recipes. I actually, I do have a list of inspiration on my blog of just like a bunch of different blogs that I love. Not all of them are gluten-free, but I definitely trust all of them just under the inspiration tab. I think that's a great idea, especially because there are so many variables that somebody new is not familiar with that having a simple recipe, because there's the ingredients that we're not familiar with. There's also, you know, the cooking sort of process that we're not familiar with, that having a simple recipe is probably the best way to go and work our way up, right? Yeah, totally. Especially if you're cooking something versus baking something or making a treat. Like I think I I actually just posted a recipe yesterday of these paleo shortbread cookies, which I love, which is wheat free and gluten free. And those are wicked easy, like so easy. I think they're only like six ingredients. So like, 
it's going to be a lot easier to do something like that that doesn't require, you know, separating egg yolks, separating whites, whipping things, making sure that all the oils are saturated, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's going to be a lot easier than a complicated, like, fried donut recipe or something. That's really hard. Yeah, I think the simple recipes are definitely the way to go if you're trying something new that you're really unfamiliar with. So awesome suggestion. Now, here at the dinner special, we talk with food heroes about dinner dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dinner dish that is special to you and maybe a little bit about the story behind the dish? Sure. One of my favorite stories to talk about with food is the first meal that I ever made for my now husband before I even like really knew that we were dating. It was like, I knew that it was a date, but I wasn't like really sure where it was going to go. So I made this butternut squash soup, which was just so delicious and rich and it was vegan before I even knew that I had sensitivities, I was making this. And so it's a butternut squash soup with coconut milk. This is sort of like marry with the butternut squash. You caramelize the onions first with some garlic, like add some rosemary. And then you take roasted butternut squash and you take that like, you know, you peel out the flesh and you put it in your stock pot with vegetable stock and coconut milk and a bunch of like warming curry spices. And that's like essentially it. I mean, you use a good quality salt and good quality oils. And then I just sort of like topped it off with a little heart that I drew in with like coconut milk. I just like remember very clearly because I was like really proud of myself for doing that little heart with the coconut. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be impressive. And I think it was like my husband sort of like he just never really like learned how to cook and he didn't really come from a family where it was very important. So it was really, really special for him in a way because he'd never really had people like make him homemade meals like that, that were so like delicious and rich and balanced with flavor and definitely had never had anything that had like a coconut milk heart on top of it. So it was very special for us both. Awesome. Well, is this recipe on the website? It's actually not on the website. I haven't done it before on the website. I have a pumpkin soup up there. I have a bunch of different soups, but I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. I will. Cool. Now, if you can invite any three famous people over for your butternut squash soup, who would they be? Thomas Jefferson, even though he's dead. And then I would serve him some really good apple cider because he loves cider like more than anything else. And I'm from Charlottesville, so that's a thing. Because he like lived here and UVA and everything is here. I'm probably Yotam Adolenghi because I just kind of want to like worship him a little bit and maybe like spread flower petals over his seat because <laughs> he's amazing. I don't know. I can't think of anybody else. Let's just go with Emily Blunt because she's cool. Love her. Sounds good. Why not? Why not? Just get a beautiful British accent coming in and talking about how lovely the soup is. Awesome. Now let's say you were to do dinner and a movie. What movie would you pair with your butternut squash soup? I'm not 100% sure. Why don't we just go with the Emily Blunt movie because I just watched it and loved it. My sister's sister, it was so great and so underappreciated. It's like a rom-com, but it's like kind of cool and has these beautiful views of Washington State out in the islands of Washington State. And it's like a love story and but it's also sort of about family. And yeah, it's a great movie. Great. Well, Renee, you write that one of the goals of the blog is to rediscover nourishing and mindful eating. But it also looks like you're having a lot of fun doing it. Now, for people where cooking is more of a chore, how can we make it more fun? I think trying new things is always fun. For me personally, I love trying new 
spices, new herbs, like trying something that's a little bit weird or a little bit strange. Like I know Molly is like a really big blogger right now and she's super cool and I like her a lot. And she does a great job of having fun doing what she does in the kitchen. Like, she'll make a little succulent out of meringues. And, like, you know, she just does interesting flavor combinations. So I like to play with herbs in, you know, sweet things. Like muffins. I don't really like muffins. Muffins are boring. You know, put something in it that's different, that's, like, has a new texture, that has a new flavor. Like, cocoa nibs have that sort of, like, crunchy, sort of bitter thing going on. And then you've got, like sweet orange zest that's really aromatic I mean to me these things are very fun for me I know it's fun for everybody but that's sort of how I have fun in the kitchen half of my time I feel like when I'm cooking is spent sort of in the process and like the I guess you call it the meditation of like chopping and looking out of my window and sort of experiencing what I'm doing like I really am very tactile so I love to touch things and like have it in my hands it's very pleasurable for me And yeah, like being able to create something that in my mind is sort of artful out of that is just so much fun. I don't know if that helps at all for people who are trying to have more fun in the kitchen, but I hope it does. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me too, like, you know, sometimes we're stuck in front of the computer a lot, right? And being in the kitchen sort of chopping like carrots or random things just like is kind of stress relieving for me anyways. Oh, yeah, me too. So I definitely find that sort of therapeutic and sort of calming, especially after a long day of, you know, being in front of the computer and doing stuff that, you know, you don't see the tangible results of. Yeah, totally. And like, I just see it as a break. It's a break in my day where I'm not in front of the computer where I'm not like doing work, particularly like I'm doing something that's nourishing and physical and like, that's not really using my mind in the same way that I do when I'm like writing, you know? Absolutely. Totally get that. Now, I call the next part of the dinner special podcast, the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Yes. Okay. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I don't really watch a lot of cooking shows, but I could tell you that I like kind of want to watch a really cool cooking show that is all about like seasonal eating, but it's fun and there's like traveling involved and that's funny. I mean, I don't have anything that I watch regularly. I watch YouTube uh, videos of folks sometimes doing their thing. Like Green Kitchen Stories has some really cool videos they've been doing and Claire Roggs of Vidya Clans has had some like super, super gorgeous videos that she's done of seasonal meals recently. So that's about as far as I go. Awesome. Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? I know you mentioned Molly Ye a little bit earlier, but is there anybody else that you sort of really admire? What pops to my mind? Let's see. Two Red Bulls, super awesome, gorgeous photography, hilarious and like just wonderfully inspiring recipes. Dolly and Oatmeal, I love Lindsay Loves Recipes. They're all gluten-free. They're generally dairy-free too, very creative and beautiful photography as well. I take a lot of inspiration from her recipes, so I just like have to stress that. Obviously, local milk. I mean, do I even need to say it? She's the best ever that ever existed. I want to be her. And Eva Cosmos Flores' website, Adventures in Cooking, is the most gorgeous photography in the world ever. She has a real talent for that. She is so freaking talented. I'm taking a class with her right now, and yeah, it's great. 
I spoke with her not too long ago too for this podcast. So yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. And I'm like super in love with Miney Roots. Everything is great on Miney Roots and Green Kitchen Stories and Sprouted Kitchen. If you do not read those, you're a crazy person because they're like so good. All right. Yeah. You've given us a lot of resources to head off and check out. And you also have the page on your website as well with some of your inspirational blogs that you like. Yeah. I have all the stuff listed. Yeah. Awesome. Now, number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, or Twitter that make you happy? Okay. Twitter, Molly A. Also, Lindsay Love, Dolly and Oatmeal. Amanda Pa on Twitter, also wonderful. Instagram, I follow a lot of people. A range of folks who do everything from food to like really wonderful landscapes and stuff. I mean, again, Eva Cosmos Flores is a wonderful Instagram. Well, we'll go to your Instagram and check out who you're following. How's that? Yeah, sure. I'm following because there are just so many amazing people. Awesome. Number four, what is something all home cooks should have in their pantry? All home cooks should have in their pantry. Coconut oil, quinoa, always. Gluten-free pasta is like a go-to for sure. And like fantastic quality olive oil and sea salt are better than anything. I use JQ Dickinson sea salt, which is a West Virginia sea salt, which is very flaky. It has a little bit lower in sodium and it has a lot of mineral quality to it. I love it. When I'm out of it, I cry a little bit. And olive oil, I use Zoe's because it's really affordable in like large amounts and it's really good, like just delicious. And I just feel like with good oils and salts, like you can make anything taste good. Absolutely, for sure. Now, number five, name one ingredient you cannot live without. Yeah, the JQD sea salt, pretty much. I bring it with me everywhere. Right, and you use that for savory and sweet, right? Yeah, they have a lot of recipes on my blog that use it. Pretty much anytime I say coarse sea salt, I'm talking about that salt. Okay, perfect. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Plenty by Yotamata Lengi, Inspired Vegan, Baby Cakes Covers the Classics by Erin McKenna is the foundation of gluten-free desserts in my mind. She's such a genius with gluten-free desserts. I pretty much owe that cookbook everything. As far as like my basic understanding of how gluten-free baking works and like what you need to make it work. And I've definitely like branched off from that, but that's the foundation for sure. Great. And finally, the last question. Number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Everything by Kishibashi. His most recent album, I can't remember the name of it. I just like want to dance around my house and cook. Perfect. Well, congratulations, Renee. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Renee, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you're all over social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted on what you're up to? Well, other than following my blog at willfrolicforfood.com, I'm always posting on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at frolicchocolate. And I have a Facebook page too, which you can find linked through my blog, but definitely Twitter and Instagram are the best ways. Perfect. Now, before I let you go, I have one final question. What's next? More beautiful recipes. I'm trying to focus this year on like simpler, a little bit more simple recipes. Who knows if I'll actually be able to like stick to that because I love me some complicated recipes. But yeah, that's pretty much what's next. Hopefully y'all will see more interesting photography work from me this year. That's the plan. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Renee, for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. I really do appreciate it. It's been amazing for me. 
Oh, yeah, totally my pleasure. Such a wonderful opportunity to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.